Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, Asher bakarvanu mikol amim, Venatan lanu etorato, Baruch atah Adonai, Noten haTorah. Amen. Amen. To be one of the major proofs for the coming of Mashiach. And the answer is that Mashiach is not only for the Jews, he's also for the non-Jews. So if we say Mashiach is coming, okay, the Jews are saying that. But if Billah, who is a non-Jewish prophet, says Mashiach is coming, then the nations of the world will also believe in the coming of Mashiach. And Mashiach will therefore bring the light of God, not only to the Jewish people, but primarily to all the nations of the world. And that, as it says, that all the nations of the world will flow to the light of God with the coming of Mashiach and the revelation of Aleph, Alufa Shaloylam, God being the master of the universe and the teacher of the universe. And God showing us wonders. As it says, that when Mashiach will come, the wonders that we are going to witness are going to be even greater than the wonders that we saw when the Jews were redeemed from the land of Egypt. And so these four Alephs allude to the four exiles and the four redemptions that the Jewish people went through and will go through with the ultimate redemption with the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days. Amen. Well, with that note, welcome to Geula Talk. Redemption Talk. Myself and my fellow Avenger, Hasis Baz, is with me. So, thank you for joining us. Uh, this is like a very unstructured, no disqualification, every source possible that I could have compiled in a short amount of time. Worth of speech about what is happening, you know, 17th of Tammuz is coming up after Shabbat. Well, 17th of Tammuz is actually on a Shabbat this year, which again, I think that's absolutely incredible because Hashem is already aligning such a, a day to be set on Shabbat, which should be a very tragic day. But this year through the Shabbat, it will be a very joyous day with a fast and a, a day of somberness and mourning to follow to start our three weeks and the three weeks are from the 17th of Tammuz to Tisha B'Av the 9th of Av going actually into the 10th of Av with some of the observances so these three weeks I have pretty much been just kind of thinking about preparing for and I kind of feel like I've already started because <laughs> things are just that intense it feels like but um you know, I liken this time frame to the quantum realm. If you've seen the Avengers Endgame movie, that is my example that I want to portray because honestly, we are. We're entering into a quantum realm of sorts because the same Kedusha that was available and the same um, atmosphere that existed during the original occasion of each event on our calendar happens each time of the year on our on our Hebrew calendar. So if you are being a follower of Torah and you understand Shabbat and Yom Tov, then you're highly aware of this, that every single Pesach, it's exactly like we're in Mitzrayim 
And the moment we sit at that Seder table, we begin to experience the shackles and chains being broken off. Then when Shabbat happens, man, because we had Shabbat this year and it was just like, yeah, we're in the upper room and, you know, it's just a few of us who believe in Mashiach, Yeshua, and we're studying Torah, waiting on the Ruach HaKodesh and the renewal of the Torah to fall down. And man, it felt like that, you know, it was just kind of like, so this is what it was like. 120 people crowded into a room, Torah all night, not going to sleep, staying up, davening, you know, it's just kind of like, wow, that happened. You know, and now during the most tragic time of our history, we are we are approaching that that window, you know, Holocaust, war wars, inquisitions, destructions of both temples, the breaching of the walls of Jerusalem. You know, any horrible thing that you could think of that's happened to us as Yehudim, that's what we're approaching. And so the beautiful thing about this, though, is this is the most opportune time to cry out for what we don't have and to cry out for what we should have had already, which is none other than the return of our King, Mashiach Yeshua, the rebuilding of the temple and the gathering in of all the exiles to Yerushalayim. That should have already happened. And I want to start off my sourcing because I can get very emotional about this and I've already have, so it's too late. But Sanhedrin 98A starts off, well, it doesn't start off. This is kind of in the middle of it. It says, Rabbi Alexandri says, Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi raises a contradiction in a verse addressing God's commitment to redeem the Jewish people. In the verse, I, Adonai, in its time, I will hasten it. Yeshiyahu 60, verses 22, or verse 22. It says, it is written in its time, indicating that there is a designated time for the redemption. And it is written, I will hasten it indicating there is no set time for the redemption. So this is what I'm getting at. Hashem says, I have set a time. Mashiach also echoes that by saying, not even the son knows the day, the time, the hour, but the father, only he knows. And then at the same time, we're supposed to hasten it. Because, you know, Kepha writes in his letter that we're supposed to hasten the day. We're following right after that. He talks about the heavens and the earth being renewed through fire. And what is fire? Torah. And what is fire? Hashem. It's not Hashem a consuming fire. It's not the Torah, the fiery law that was handed from the right hand of Hashem to the Jewish people. Which right before that passage in Devarim 33, to be specific, uh, the fiery law coming from the right hand, the dot. Right before that, Hashem was trying to give this fiery law to all sorts of people, like Ishmael, like Esau, and people of the like, Lot's descendants even, and nobody wanted it. They are like, no, nah, what's in there? No, nah, we don't want it. You know, like, like as if Hashem was coming around with a platter of food at a restaurant, 
and someone on table six is like, hey, waiter, what you got in your hand over there? May I, may I smell that? No, I don't like that. No, no, no. Just go take it onto the table you were delivering it to. And it was just kind of like, well, this was supposed to be for your table, but you don't want it, I you, guess. You know. You don't turn up your nose to the Torah. <laughs> right. Which has happened. You know, and so when you really think about the Torah being given to Yisrael, we're the only nation that said, we don't know what's in the Torah. It smells good. It sounds good. Even though we ain't heard it, but we saw it. We saw how it sounded. I mean, get you some of that, right? And it's just like we we accepted it, like unconditionally, uh, beyond reason. Which is why if the pinnacle mitzvah of the Torah is the para adumah, the ashes of the red heifer, the he who knew no sin became sin uh, overlay concept. And so if you really think about what that means, you know, I mean, it's beyond our understanding. It's beyond rationality. What is Torah? What is redemption? What is, you know, our amuna? And so I, I was looking at the three weeks and realizing this potential that, okay, so there is a set time for the redemption, but we can also speed it up. I don't know about y'all, but I'm totally on the side and in favor of speeding it up. Why? Look at our world. Did not Mashiach said it will be like the days of Noah when the son of man returns and will he find faith? I, I can just say there are way more reasons than not to not follow Torah these days. I mean, from from these little devices we hold in our hands to the places in which we work to the streets on which we drive to the households in which we inhabit or that we've grown up from and left, and now we have our new households that we inhabit. Thank you, Shim. You know, and there are so many ways to just walk off the cliff of not being observant, not having any faith in Hashem at all, even though you believe in Hashem and you know Hashem is God, and you know Hashem has a Mashiach. And yes, that is a very hard hit to many faith systems because. I myself was a part of it where I just like, yeah, I believe in God and I know there's a creator of the universe and I know there's a Messiah who died for me. However, because he died for me so that I can live for him, I will live for him by living for me, which is ultimately what it boils down to. I had conversations with people of other faith systems this past weekend. And yes, that that acknowledgement is like that is confessed. It was confessed to me literally. Yeah, I guess we kind of do what we want. And I'm just kind of like, really? This is this is like unashamedly just coming out. It's like, yeah, I guess when you really step back and look at it, I love God and I say I live for him, but he told me how to live for him and I have a different plan. And it's just kind of like, okay, so that's not helping the Gaula at all. What is helping the Gaula? I'm glad you asked. Because if I continue in Sanhedrin 98a, it says, Rabbi Alexandria explains, if they merit redemption, if they merit redemption, i.e. the hastening part that I'm totally in favor of, and I'm pretty sure Hasis is as well. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Most definitely. It says, if they merit, if they want to hasten it, redemption through 
repentance and good deeds, I will hasten the coming of the Messiah. Which, by the way, when Messiah comes, that's when the temple will be rebuilt, which is why we're praying for the rebuilding of the temple at least three times a day. So, yes, we're praying for the return of Mashiach as we're praying for the rebuilding of the temple. So how serious are we praying that? And then it says, so if they do not merit redemption, the coming of Mashiach will be in its designated time. So if you really look at that, you know, going back to Bereshit chapter one, that, you know, there's a set time for creation because Hashem created it. And there are all sorts of Midrashim and commentary that talk about that there is a 7,000 year process for our current phase of life. You know, we have the six days, which are likened to the six working days. And then you have the seventh day, which is a Shabbat. And a day is like a thousand years. So you have the 6,000 years to which we are pretty much a few hundred years away from ending. And then we'll head into the 7,000th year, which will be like the Shabbat type year. And yes, this is why our calendar is 5779, you know, like a few hundred years away from 6000. And so if you really look at kind of that picture, well, there's a designated time just on a Peshat level without even getting into any kind of uh, calculations or whatnot. And so you could say, hey, we got a few more hundred years to just do whatever we want. And it's just like, do you really want to do that? Because... The more a child is disobedient to their parent, the more the parent grows loving to the child. Oh, wait, wait, what? What did I just did I just say that? I'm joking. Did you repeat that? I know, right? Because a parent doesn't. I mean, they, they do grow loving in a sense that there's going to be more discipline that happens because, hey, I told you to do something and you've now taken X amount of time to not do something. So because I love you so much, I'm about to go get the belt. You know, <laughs> and yes. a boot to drop kick you with. But, um, you know, this is kind of why we don't need to wait. So, um, but I, I love the fact that it says that we hasten the redemption through Teshuva, through repentance, through good deeds. And if you check out, shameless plug, coming, ahead, coming at you, check out Balak Haftara Get You Some by... Hasid Spaz and Shomer, man. <clears throat> yeah, if you check that one out, it talks about what uh, good deeds are and what how to really put that in perspective. So if we do just these two things along, that speeds up the process. Torah study is another thing that speeds up the process. And um, there is a beautiful drop from the Testament of the Patriarchs. Which you can also cross-reference in uh, Legends of the Yehudim, by the way. All 12 sons of Yaakov spoke to their children right before their death, just like Yaakov did. So funny that the son acts just like the father. I don't know where I've seen that before. But anyway, Gad, homeboy Gad, just throws down. Gad is like the noble warrior, like... All the sons of Yaakov were like, you don't want to mess with them. But I feel like there's just this level of Muay Thai, Ung Bak, like crazy knee to the face for no reason. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. 
that Gad just portrays, you know, there are so many different things about Gad that's just like, you don't want to mess with Gad. There's a reason Gad chose a portion of the land that was on the other side of the Jordan. Like, they were like, we don't even have to be technically all the way in the land and we'll hold it down. Incidentally, though, they were the first of the tribes to be exiled, but, you know, we don't need to talk about that. But, um, yeah, anyway, long story short, Gad is a is a throwdown, get you some kind of thing. Uh, he's also let me go ahead and just read this because this is this is what I'm talking about. You know, that thing where King David was talking about the bear and like all that kind of stuff. Right. So check out Gad. Gad says, OK, so he was in the hundred and twenty seventh year of his life saying I was the seventh son born to Yaakov. I was valiant in keeping the flocks valiant he says i guarded at night the flock okay dark outside i'm typically not like keen on yeah cool this is my element it's like it's dark outside why don't we go inside it's safer in there gad not so much gad's like my flock's outside i'm outside let's do this he says whenever the lion came or the wolf or the leopard or the bear or any wild beast i mean what if any of these came against the fold he, he didn't say listen he didn't say i stood my ground and i protected he's like no i pursued it what's yes. wrong with this guy he says i pursued it with my hand seizing its foot and whirling it around i stunned it i hurled it over two furlongs which is a long distance and killed it Okay, so that's how he opens up. It's like, okay, so my sons, I was very violent, and I'm still very violent. Don't test me. I'm dying right now, but I want to bless you. So it's, this it's, is it's interesting, if I may. Yes, uh, go. This this whole the whole idea of the of bear. The bear has the same word, same letters as the word for word, the var. Oh. And so you look at him not just setting his ground, but pursuing it and tackling and wrestling with it. This is also possibly allusion to toiling in the Torah, toiling in the word of God. Yes, yes. Until we've achieved our goal. Yes, amen. And subduing it in our hearts, and the whole whole aspect of killing it, maybe the idea of subduing the word into our hearts, engraving it into our hearts. Right. Because when you think about killing the word, which we tried to do, us, because mm. we sold Yosef, and then the nations did their thing, and then Mashiach was like, none of y'all killed me. I'm, I'm The only reason you're allowed to do any of this is because I've submitted to my father. So who's really doing the crucifixion here? But side note, a big side note <laughs> of all that. Um, when we killed the word, it wasn't even dead for three days, if we could call it dead. So... <laughs> To what you're saying, Havivi, I mean, that's incredible to think about pursuing the word and killing it. Because killing the word only brings forth life. Mm. So. Instant, because, you know, the whole concept of when I pierced him, my blood and water came out. Indicating right. the quote-unquote loss of life with the blood. But you take it back to uh, one of the last uh, parses that we did. What did it mean when blood and water came out of the mountain? Yeah, it mean that that there was a clear passing that God had subdued the forces, the mountain that that crushed the uh, Amorites. Come on, our and so it was just a little support for your this idea that you're laying down of of 
of this whole idea of it brings only life. When you're killing the word, it brings only life. So the violent take it by force. That's what we're talking about. Yokanon's words. Uh, so looking at all this and uh, just saying that the understatement of it's not the Jews that killed Messiah. Like that is so like a, a, a distraction. Okay. Christians, Jews, whoever truly believes in Hashem and his Mashiach. This is directed to you right now. Like get over whatever fences and walls that have been put up for 2000 years. We don't got no more time for that. These three weeks are about taking those same walls and those same fences and building the Beit HaMikdash and coming and yearning for Mashiach to return. Like we need him here. There are no answers. There are no solutions to the world's problems and to our own personal problems than the final redemption. So if we're trying to figure out how to get enough money in our bank account, if we're trying to figure out working out our relationship with our spouse because we have struggles or if we're trying to figure out how to get that one job that we've always desired and wanted and chase our dreams. The only solution, my friends, is the final redemption. Now, there are things that we do need to work on in the meantime. Don't just run out your credit cards and, and go like crazy and don't just start being in abusive relationships and not seeking counseling. And don't just like stop going to work. <laughs> that don't work out. But right. it is operating within the realm of our responsibility and our obligations with the ultimate goal that we're working towards, which is the final redemption, because we have power at stake in bringing that about, whether we want to speed it up or slow it down. We don't get to put it off because it just can't happen because Hashem is going to bring it. So if he's going to bring it, why not speed it up? You know? So anyway, so Gad says this, he says, righteousness cast out hatred. Humility destroys hatred for he that is just and humble is ashamed to do wrong, being reproved, not of another, but of his own heart, because Adonai views his intent. So when you look at your teshuva, your teshuva is based off of your intent. Like, okay, you can repent. That's great. But what's our intent? What is my intent? I ask myself. And then what's actually going on in my heart? You know, because if I want to make teshuva, if I want to find a redemption, why? Okay, I don't want to just get my get out of jail for free card. I want to find a redemption because creation has been groaning since we put it into that state it's our fault ultimately and when we look at bringing the redemption we're finally saying hashem it's our fault that there's sin death sickness plague pestilence in the world it's our fault that there has to be tornadoes and earthquakes and like all kinds of deadly destructive natural occurring things it's it's our fault it's my fault no one's to blame but me. I ate the fruit. I did what you told me not to do because I wanted to. That's why I want the redemption, because I want to to coon. I want to coon for everybody. So 
looking at all this, having these intents and having this focus in mind as we're in these three weeks, he ultimately gets down into saying, again, this is Gad speaking. He is saying this about repentance. He says, I got so turned up about repenting that I've lost my spot, but that's okay. I will find it again. It says here, uh, confess, repent, boom, boom, boom. All right. I think, yeah, so I, I was on the right track. I just thought that it was further down. Okay, anyway, so we got the intent. It says, he speaks not against any man because the fear of the Most High overcomes hatred. For fearing lest he should offend Adonai, he will not do any wrong to any man. Okay, so that right there, that's a just, that's a blue screen. You, you wouldn't rob, you wouldn't steal, you wouldn't shoot anybody, you wouldn't choke out anybody, you wouldn't stab anybody because you fear Shem. Like, I mean, wow. Okay, so these things I learned at last after I had repented concerning Yosef. Funny, repentance and Yosef. This is what we're talking about, really? Like Mashiach ben Yosef, the one we rejected, but who came for us and died for us while we were yet sinners? Anyway, for true repentance after a godly sort destroys unbelief, drives away darkness, enlightens the eyes, and gives knowledge to the soul, and guides the mind to salvation, which remember what did Yeshua say salvation was? Those who endure to the end. So you can't just say you're saved and not be living a life of enduring to the end. Anyway. And last but not least, he says, and those things which it has not learned from man, it knows through repentance. See, repentance is something you learn from outside of creation because repentance existed before creation. And so when we're inside of creation, but outside of it at the same time during these three weeks, that's the power. We have the ability to overcome the past centuries and millennia of horrible tragedies and, and bring it about the ultimate joy through something that exists outside of creation, which is repentance. So I want to encourage us in that. There is a prayer called the Gatfun Abraham that happens every Havdalah Bezrat Hashem from the Shekinah of the household, which is the woman. And she is halakhically required to uh, recite this prayer depending on your custom. But it's, this is in your Siddur. You say this prayer actually before. Hine el Yeshuati. Yep. That, I mean, which you think about that right there. That's your ABC salvation prayer, by the way. Just want to Romans 10, 9 drop happens every Shabbat. So quit trying to save Jews. We're already saved every Shabbat. <laughs> and including going into our Sunday. Our Sunday service starts on Saturday night. So anyway, uh, not that we do Sunday services, but if we did, it would be called Havdalah. Anyway, um, so the Godfoon Abraham, you say this right before you proclaim your salvation. And here's a little drop on, from it. It says, God of Abraham, of Yitzhak, and of Yaakov, protect your people, Yisrael, 
from all evil in your praise. As the beloved Holy Shabbat takes leave, that the coming week may arrive to bring perfect faith, faith in scholars, love of and attachment to good friends, attachment to the creator. Blessed is he to have faith in your 13 principles and in the complete and close redemption speedily in our days. In the recitation of the dead, the resuscitation of the dead, and in the prophecy of our teacher, Moshe Shalom be upon him. So the thing is, you can also know if you read your footnotes, it says Rabbi Levi Yitzhak of Berdachev, traditionally recognized as the author of this prayer, however, wrote that it should be recited three times by women or by men, women and children. And that this recitation would help assure the success and assure success in the ensuing week. So this is not wow. just for the women, you know, and I bring up the precedent that Hashem redeemed us from Mitzrayim because he heard the voice of the Shekinah crying out. So women, you are likened to the Shekinah. Your voice is likened to the voice of the Shekinah. Mashiach's voice is the voice of the Shekinah. Crying out yourself, crying out with the words of Mashiach, who says, Baruch Abba Adonai, because he says, I long to gather in Yerushalayim, I weep for Yerushalayim, I want to gather in my young, my young nurslings. So this right here, this is like prime time to do that. Um, so yeah, so that's the God phone. I want to encourage everybody to pick that up if you haven't already. Uh, especially during the three weeks because the Shabbat actually gives us a reprieve from all the morning customs during these three weeks. And so as we are in the quantum realm, uh, crying out and making Shuva, let's also do some, some Gottfone Abraham. Let's uh, turn it up as we head back into our six days of the week uh, from our Shabbat. Uh, Jewish wisdom in the... Oh, you got something? Well, I was going to ask if you could repeat the thing you mentioned about Yosef doing Teshuvah and, and that concept of Teshuvah returning to Yosef at least. Oh yes. Gad is saying that, uh, he says I had repented concerning Yosef. So these things I learned at last after I had repented concerning Yosef. So the whole thing about, um, destroying unbelief, driving away darkness, enlightening eyes, uh, giving knowledge to the soul, guiding the mind to salvation, those things which you cannot learn from man, you know through repentance, which only happened when Gad repented concerning Yosef. So you don't access the primordial existence of repenting until it's repenting through Yosef. Wow. And it's huge. And the whole concept of repentance, like teshuva, which is like a return, like a connection. Right. Um, you, that's amazing. You you mentioned earlier there is a custom in the Gottfunk Abraham. It's traditionally recited by women. Okay, so here's the key word, woman, right? Right. And you mentioned there there's the custom that the author says you're supposed to repeat it three times by men, women, and children. So that's three, three, and three. What is that? Add it all together. Nine. Nine. And it's a plea to who? Our our father, our Av. Right? right? Right. And so we have this concept of these nine times 
right? This plea for redemption, this plea for essentially making everything right. Nine times, that's Tish, and then to our Father, right? That's Av. So we have this concept of, of like Tish Av engraved in this. Wow. And you have, you have uh, in Tish B'Av, you know, we're, we're reaping for essentially things to be made right, for things to be made, rebuilt. And going back on this concept of women and this concept of this repeating three times, uh, uh, we, we mentioned also that the Tet has this connotation of, of pregnancy, like the nine months of pregnancy. Yes. Um, to say, to say, you know, who, who knows nine? Says, I know nine, the nine months of pregnancy. Uh, and there are three women in particular who struggled with this, with this, this concept of, of, of bringing forth children. One was uh, Sarah. One was Rachel, and one was Hannah. Mm. And what is so interesting and powerful um, is that together, if you take uh, their names, they all possess nine letters. Going back this whole secret of a tet, this whole <laughs> idea of nine. Uh, and furthermore, their initial letters... Whoops, Slika. Initial letters are the three names spell, at least in their, their chronological, chronological order, the name of another great woman in the Torah. And this is Serach. Oh. Instead of, she was a daughter of Asher, is what she's known by. Um, but she was the one who revealed to Yaakov that Yosef was alive. She did it through song and dance. And, uh, and it mentions that his spirit was returned to him. Yes. And... And what's interesting about Sarah is there's um, another woman who's who's known, at, like she's defined as being the daughter of Asher, yep. and she lived an extremely long time because of this how she revealed it to uh, to to her grandfather Yaakov, and she was instruments like she she lived according to like David's life according to like everyone's life, and there's interesting it's in the Basora. It mentions that there's a daughter of Asher who's instrumental at the, the birth of Yeshua. And, and Luke, I believe it is. Yep. Yeah, so, the, she is a daughter. Her name is Anna. That was it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. daughter of Asher. I believe it's Anna. Yep. But yeah, she's defined as being a daughter of Asher, just like Sarah. And so I, I think that's extremely interesting. You look at the concept of building, and a lot, a lot of these, these women, like, it says that God withheld their prayers to bless others through them. Like, I know that's the case for Rachel, for sure. Um, but just even if you have unanswered prayers, that, like, it, it, there's, it still goes to the merit, either merit of others. Uh, there, it, it's, it doesn't stop, is what I'm saying. Wow. There's always a solution to it. And so where our prayers, this whole concept of building up to the Mashiach, this whole building up to Yosef, this return to Yosef is hinted through the name Tishbaav. Love it. So that's a beautiful transition into nine because we're looking at time here and specifically how we're going to be in it, but outside of it at the same time, because there's going to be so much overlapping going on that nine, when you look at it, it nine itself is a spiral. And uh, Benny B from Ladder of Jacob, as I lovingly call him, Ben Burton, that is, on his commentary about counting the Omer, 
drops this down. He says the shape of time in Greek thought is a straight line connecting point A to point B. In truth, the shape of time is a helicoidal spiral, helicoidal or helicoidal. And it says like a DNA helix, get you some of that. Time is DNA. Time is created, which is a, something that we definitely need to make sure that we understand as believers in Hashem. This is why he called us to be masters of it through giving us the, the prayer times which uh, emulate the temple service so that when the temple is rebuilt, which it will soon be and may it be, amen, uh, that amen. we will understand how, how the cycles work. You know, he called us to be masters of time, to know when it's dark, to know when it's light, to know when it's Rosh Hodesh, to know when it's Shabbat. These things keep us interlinked in a stable environment so that we can be aware of the signs we can be aware of the seasons and everything like that so continuing on it says so it's a dna helix ascending to higher levels and runs as time passes this is the shape of the shofar which contains the fibonacci spiral design growing to the opening of the shofar blast Hence why there are going to be shofar blasts during this time, <laughs> the leading up to the final redemption and during it and all that. So, and it says the shofar blast signifies freedom on Yom Kippur. This is the higher level, a micro or macro cosmic Shemitah called the Yovel or Jubilee as described in Vayikra 25. So time is a spiral. Time does look like the number nine if you're standing above it. Now, when you go to the wisdom of the numbers, the heading for nine, it says nine is where to turn. God gives man the time and space within creation to turn nine towards ten in a process where he can bring himself and the world to its perfection substitute perfection for redemption because that's what that means so you want to see a perfect world turn nine to ten what are we doing with time and what are we doing with space are we putting hashem in it are we making hashem about our time are we making our time about hashem okay so on page 137 it says in his endeavors to partner with God and turn nine towards ten, a man must know how to relate to the dimension of time. God is not subject to the parameters of time. The world is. And we're achad with Hashem through Mashiach. So get you some of that. Connect those dots. Okay. It says time was an act of creation first introduced at the inception of the universe. So... It says, um, the Jewish view regards time not as an extension of the past, but as a preparation for the future. The focus is exclusively forward looking, i.e. towards the redemption. We need our temple. We need Mashiach. We need to go home. Okay. It is about turning toward a designated objective and goal. 
Sanhedrin 98a is pretty much right here. It says this is beautifully reflected in the Hebrew term zeman, which is time. That relates to the concept of hazmana, which is preparation, or zimun, which is invitation. Rabotai nevarek. That's the zimun. Man, come on. When we're right wow. after we're eating and then we bless Hashem, we're getting into, hey, Hashem, just want to let you know we're taking time and pointing it towards you. Can you redeem us now? Incredible. <laughs> that is just amazing. <laughs> oh, my word. Okay. So pretend like that didn't happen, though. Okay. So in other words, time is the means that comes to determine man's ultimate future. It is is the means for him to reach eternity rather than being stuck continuously repeating the cycle there is a concept of chodesh which when i saw this word i was like chadash really renewal but yes it does mean month it does mean renewal that relates to chidosh or chidush, which is newness or innovation. So the the month, every time we go through a month, that's all about newness and innovation. It says this perspective of time as the passage turning towards the future, one not locked. It's not locked. Can I say this again? It's not locked into the endless repetition of the past. We don't have to experience tragedies anymore. I love it. This is Gula talk. Hashtag. Okay. So it's Amazing. not locked into the endless repetition of the past. Is hinted at in the word Sha'a, which is moment of time. Which, by the way, take the ayin that's in the middle, move it to the front, make it ayin sheen, uh, ayin seen, hey, which is ose, which is to do, to make. Like ose shalom, like make some shalom up in here. Okay? Amen. Uh, it, sha'a itself means moment of time. And then it says, uh, oh, and if you add a yod to that, like turning nine to ten, it becomes Yeshua, like the salvation that we pray for. Okay. It Love it. says that relates to Tesha, which is nine. Tesha, nine. In other words, every moment in time, like the number nine, is the invitation turn to turn toward 10 to reach a state of completion and a life of eternity this is why we don't know the day the time or the hour because it can happen at a sha'a because of what we're doing with the tesha in the chodesh so it can happen in the moment of time with what we're doing at the nine in the month okay so it could happen at any time. Why not happen now? So I, I, I love that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was just saying so because I like saying so. It's one of my favorite words. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Is it okay? Yes. I want to interrupt your thought. Okay. So I, I was just thinking, what, what does it take really to, to transition? You mentioned this concept of Zemanim, like the whole concept of, of time. Z like Zion is seven. You mentioned the concept of 
ten, nine turning towards ten, okay. right? Seven okay. is also a turning point. The seven days a week, the eight days, you know, eight being representative of, of something beyond regular time. Ooh. And so the question is, what what does it take to really break forth into the the, the next phase? Break Unlock forth out, out of the cycle, unlocking the redemption. What does it take? It takes one. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the secret of Geula, of, of, of redemption. So you have this whole idea of Gola, which is exile. This is our condition until the Messianic era begins. And then Geula, redemption, is our hope or our ongoing prayer. But what's really the difference between those two things, exile, redemption? Uh, you have go, Gola, which is Gimel, Vav, Lamed, He, and Geula, which is Gimel, Aleph, Vav, Lamed, He. What's the difference in that? Wow, Aleph, one. It, it, it's Aleph, it's one. That's what it takes to transition, just one. Mm. Uh, I mentioned here that uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Blech, he comments that it is the Aleph of Anoki, the one representing God, oh. who must be incorporated into the mentality of the Gola, yes. the exile, in order to bring about Geula, yes. redemption. Yes. Uh, it, and this extremely extremely powerful we have to incorporate the the olive anoki and what does anoki is the acronym what does it stand for i wrote myself down and gave it to you yes i wrote i wrote myself i wrote my 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 my, my very essence Ooh, down in the torah and i son. gave it to you i mentioned this idea before that essentially the torah is a shim's like poetry toward us. It's, it's an expression of itself, like its truest expression of itself to us. Uh, and the whole idea of this is a shim connected with his Torah. We've said before, Yeshua is the, the, the Torah made flesh. It's a, he's a living Torah. And also the concept of Aleph is the concept of Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David, because Aleph means a thousand, and that's the gematria of those, those phrases combined. Wow. And so this is what it takes. It takes Meshach and Yos, Meshach David, the Anoki, the Torah, the understanding of it's, it's not man who's going to bring redemption. It's a shin manifested in, in these forms that's going to be the one that brings us from the seven to the eight of the Messianic era, that brings us to the nine, the turning point to the ten, the number of completion. Amen. Um, and all this is born in this idea of Tishba'av, right? Because you have nine, the number of pregnancy, and of this idea of, of the father. And how you handle Tishba Av, the ninth of Av, is going to determine what's born out of that. Uh, mm. I remember you mentioned earlier about, about Hashem offering the Torah to the nations. Yes. And what is the what, what does it take for us to accept the Anoki, Hashem written down in the Torah, and, and, and giving it to us. What does it take? Well, if you, you look at the, the common, uh, the common uh, thread that all, the, all these nations rejected the Torah for, it's essentially they said, it's a blessing we inherited from our fathers. Yeah. Oh, no, well, what, what's written in it? Oh, you shall not murder? No, that's our blessing. We're given the sword. Oh, we cannot steal? Oh, no, that's our blessing. We're, this is Ishmael. You know, oh, oh we cannot... Uh, we cannot commit a, adultery. Oh, we we can't do that. This is this is the blessing we got from our fathers. I'm not willing to forsake the tradition of my father for my true uh, for my true father. Uh, we we read in um, 
and the uh, Nevi'im and the prophets that the nations will come and say, truly our fathers have inherited lies. Mm. And it, it's this concept of, of how you handle Tishbaab, how do you handle the birth of, like, the, the, this, you think of what's going on in the birth, it's, it's the, the embryo that's developing. Right. How do you handle this, this developing of the idea of who is your off, who is your father, in the truest sense? And ultimately, it's our, it's our original source. It is, it is Akhlos Baruchu. Amen. And when we can, when we can say, hey, I, I know my father, my, my natural father taught me this way, especially in the case of, of a convert or someone, you know, coming in from Christianity or, or another religion, you know, our fathers have taught us this way. But then you have Hashem's Torah, which says, you know, this is how I teach you. This is how your true father teaches you. And if we can lay down what we've always known and, and the voice of our teachers, whether it's our, our natural father or whether it's what we see in, in, in the media and Hollywood and, and the, the, all, all the nations around us in this exile, if we could reject that and if we could find, and we struggle and develop our, our, our sense and renew our mind to say, hey, what Hashem says in, in, in his, his, his book of, of, of Torah, in, his, in, in the Halacha, in the oral Torah, the written Torah, that's what goes. And that's what's going to renew me. That's what's going to change me. And that's what it takes in order to truly accept accept uh, the Torah and really make the most of Tishba'ah, of this renewing process. Wow. So, Shonaf Pinkus brought down this uh, about a, a couple of years ago. Wow, this is going to be like the second year now, uh, going through his commentaries. But he was talking about the Oral Torah, talking about Yosef, and how... Um, this is Shavile Pincus. He sends out a commentary uh, based off of the Midrashim and the Parshot on a weekly basis. So look him up uh, for sure. But he was talking about Yosef and saying that Hashem will surely redeem you from this place. He, he, you will be redeemed from exile. Like Yosef told the children of Israel this. Which is funny because Mashiach said the same thing. He says, I am with you until the end of this exile, which is the end of the age, the end of time, the end of the world. Like however you want to put that phrase from Matthew 28. He says, I'm with you to the end because there will be an end. In the meantime, you need to be out there uh, making converts because you're going into exile. And remember what the oratorio says about exile, that that you're going to exile to make converts. That's the only reason why Israel gets exiled. Because there needs to be converts. But anyway. Amen. So Shonaf Pink is brought down that the only reason Hashem made a covenant with Israel was because of the oral Torah. And so if you really want to think about being in a covenant with Hashem. If you want to think about... Uh, having eternal life, if you want to think about being saved, or any of these vernacular, it's all through the Oral Torah. So, you want to get out of exile, you probably want to get into some Oral Torah. This is a okay. shout out to Ish Pela, because Baraku et Adonai Hamvarak, that bracha we say, the one, two, three eyes on me bracha for, like, to get you some from the Bema. Uh, yeah, so this is what it says. This is only recited in the presence of a minion. Uh, and then it says, 
Uh, Ishpela told me this today. Where is it? There was a whole thing about this prayer being... What? Okay, so I'm going to start right here. This is commentary from the Art Scroll Sidur. It says, with, re re with relation to God, the term bless cannot mean that we add anything to his powers or possessions. Rather, it constitutes our declaration that he is the source of all blessing. That's from Kad HaKemach. Furthermore, it represents our dedication to allow his will to be fulfilled by our obedience to his commandments. Thus, in a sense, we do confer something upon him, for it is in our power to accomplish his goals. For it is in our power to accomplish his goals for man. Because some people say, oh, nobody can do the law of God. I'm sorry. Did you read the Baraku? Here's a Sidur. You should read it. But where's your self-esteem? Why'd you give up? <laughs> right? You so, know? there's that. Maybe it's on the uh, the Torah section for Shabbat. Due to time, I'm not going to uh, go. But the commentary on the Baraku also is that this is about uh, the eternal life that Hashem placed in us. Like when we go for the Torah before blessing and the Torah after we say Asher Natan Lanu Torah Temet, it talks about the Torah that is eternal, that Hashem places in us as eternal life, is the oral Torah. So if we don't have the oral Torah in us, then it, we don't have eternal life. But if we do, then we have eternal life. Which connect that to Yochanan 17, which says, and this is eternal life that we shall know Hashem and his Messiah. Because how do we even know about Messiah if not for the oral Torah? So therefore, if you proclaim in Mashiach Yeshua, but yet you don't have an oral Torah that you uphold, you keep not a oral Torah, but the oral Torah, Slika. But if you don't have that, then you don't have eternal life. So you might want to get that checked. Um, so yeah, so that that's what I want to say about that. Uh, as far as the Baraku. And over here in Tankuma Vayikra 14 says, Master of the world, Yehezekiel replied, Why are you telling me to go and tell Yisrael the form of the house, i.e. the temple? They are now in exile in the land of our enemies. Currently, we're in exile, by the way, in the land of our enemies. It says, Is there anything they can do about it? Let them be until they return from exile. Then I will go and inform them. Now, if Hashem allowed Yehezekiel to follow Yehezekiel's command at this point, Yehezekiel would have been really old because it was like some 70 years before they actually got back. <laughs> and then they really didn't want to build when they got back. So Yehezekiel would have been really, really old. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I continue here. God answered, should the construction of my house be ignored because my children are in exile? The study of the design of the holy temple, as detailed in the Torah, can be equated to its actual construction. Go tell them to study the form of the holy temple as a reward for their study and their occupation with it. 
like a job, okay? Like if we make it our job, I will consider it as if they actually built the holy temple. Can you repeat that last phrase, please? Yeah, as a reward for their study and their occupation with it, I will consider it as if they actually built the holy temple. Midrash Tankuma, Vayikra 14. Incredible. So... I know it, it's uh, really crazy because as we're having this Geula talk, this is this is going down for real. And uh, we want to make Aliyah for real. But as we're in the three weeks, I can't think of a greater time to really spend all of our Torah study, all of our together time, all of our davening time focused on the temple, focused on Mashiach. Like building the temple let's take these three weeks to have a determination to build let's let's get outside of exile yeah it's comfortable we can go to work we have air conditioning cars we have air conditioned houses apartments you know we're eating pretty good because there are some kosher restaurants thank Hashem and there are many kosher items at all of our local grocery stores including kosher markets themselves being available nearby like we can go to a kosher grocery store like and and order from the deli and and order like all sorts of crazy like we can order sushi and it's kosher from the kosher tom thumbs you know <laughs> like what and, and it's just like okay but let's not forget we're in exile just remember you can have kosher sushi grow right out of the ground if you go into the final redemption because it's going to be like that which would be amazing right Cause I can't wait to have holla on tap, literally. Like I'm gonna holla hit a dispenser and there's just holla's just gonna come out like filled with honey and butter, and I'm just gonna be eating it. But wow, that's the redemption. The yeah. redemption we're not gonna have to work all this time that we want to take to pray, all this time we want to take to Torah study. It's gonna be a Shabbat, everybody. Shabbat is legit. You ain't gotta rush to do nothing. But like those candles on time. So get in Shabbat. <laughs> so, which brings me to my point of why I even have a Geula talk. Because we will be rewarded with the like measure in which we repair for the Geula. Which we prepare for the Geula. So if you're not preparing for the Geula and the Geula happens, you're going to be like a, a half-dressed person that's ready for a party. You know, like, don't do that. Or you're going to be like a person who knew Shabbat was coming and you didn't cook your food. And you're like, man, I guess I'll just have these crackers over here because my soup, I didn't really get to cook it. And so if I tried to eat, it, it's going to be cold. It's probably not going to taste good. And I definitely won't be able to eat this burger because it's just not, it's raw meat. And so, you know, think about this. Like if you don't prepare for Shabbat, you're going to be really hungry. You're going to be really thirsty. <laughs> but you know i digress can i ask a question yes oh if we have time another time we're off here i i have one last point and i definitely want you to have your question and if you have a last point i definitely want to make time for that and then we're done okay you want to put your last point in you want me to go now go now okay so With this is question. a question yeah and there's a, i got an answer to it so 
don't don't freak out. Um, so how do how do we know? How do we know that? Uh, it, it, how do we know Yeshua is going to be Mashiach? Is there something hidden in in Tishbaav that lets us know that it's him? Ooh. Um, and I say this because uh, Chazal make a comment, and from the Yerushalm Talmud, and also from the Midrash Shabbat, that Tishbaav is the birthday of Mashiach. <laughs> and I, I know you were thinking if if you heard uh, Emet Emet Josh uh, or or us us Josh together, we have mentioned before that Sukha is most likely his birthday, but it, it's a different kind of birth. It's a it's a spiritual rebirth. It's it's the day that he uh, essentially transferred from Yosef to David. And so, is there anything hidden in this? And so, we look at the name Tishbaav, right? Av nine. So that's Aleph Vet Tet. Yes. Well, rabbis rabbis have commented um, that the Aleph stands for the first temple, the destruction of the first temple. Mm. The Vet of Av stands for the destruction of the second temple. And 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 so, Matt, what would that leave the third letter to represent? The final Beit Hamikdash. The final Beit Hamikdash, which is a, which is a text, right? Which is as we as we know is is this allusion to birth, wow. almost, almost hitting that that it there's going to be uh, not not just a constructed temple, but one that's going to be born from oh. what precedes it of the Father. Oh, interestingly enough, if you take the the Atbash of of the Tet, it goes into the Noon. Which Ooh. is the fourteen letter? It's the it's it's corresponding to the gematria of David, the Mashiach, right? It's yeah. also the idea of look at like 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 Paleo Hebrew and all that stuff. The idea of a seed sprouting forth. Wow. And so you're looking at the, these two temples are destroyed, but there's one that sprouts forth. Wow. Um, interestingly, the the Zohar Kodesh um, actually mentions this idea that. And it corresponds to your idea of talking about praying for the gula, praying for the redemption. It, it mentions the idea that the 12 middle blessings of the Shemone Ezra correspond to the 12 months of the year. <laughs> and, Amet, do you know, I mean, like, like it is so incredible, which blessing corresponds to the month of Av. <laughs> and it you is... you say Masmiya carrying Yeshua, I'm going to throw everything. Boom, I should have just asked you the question because oh. you knew it. That is that. And uh, it comments, comments here, it says, we, we can now understand why Samach was chosen as a name of Mashiach in the Shemone, in Shemone Ezra. The name teaches us how, with our actions, you're talking about bringing forth Mashiach with our actions, uh, we can most effectively accelerate his arrival. We must treat the redemption as one would deal with sprouts, which require constant and continuous watering and toiling, and I, I want to take us to um, to this this bracha and the Shemone Ezra. Um, it is right after um, the, the righteous and enter Jerusalem, the city, compassion. Right? It's Et Semach David. This is the bracha. Et Semach David Avdecha Nehera Tatzmiach Dacharno Torum Bashuatecha. You mentioned here the word Yeshua is actually mentioned like three times. In the very ending, it says, you know, blessed are you, Hashem, who causes the pride of Yeshua of salvation 
Uh, we mentioned like literally the Mashiach is at the gates of Rome, banning his wounded wounds. His name has been slandered. He's been beaten down by by all this Lashana Ra saying you're not Mashiach. Uh, talking about he's uh, rebelled against his father, saying he's done away with Allah Chasve Shalom, right? And so his little pride is is wounded. And then when we say this prayer, it's like we're pleading to Shem restore his pride. We know he he is a legitimate Mashiach. We know he kept your Torah. We know he is the Mashiach. And interesting, he used the word samach for that, which is like it's like a sprouting, which means it comes forth from the what, from the ground. Oh. As as the midrash says, truth emits, sprouts forth from the ground. And what does Mashiach say right before he's executed? It says, "I am the truth." Wow. I am the truth. I am going to sprout forth the ground. I am going to my my kingdom right now is the Mashiach, but Yosef is to suffer, is to die for the sins of Israel. And but I I am truth. I'm going to sprout forth from the ground, and I'm going to rise as as the as the noon as as Mashiach ben David. This is the sprouting that we're talking about. And in case you're wondering, you know, okay, well, this whole idea of, of Mashiach, still a little iffy about it, you know, but, you know, this is actually codified in the 13 principles of faith. Wow. And it's mentioned as the uh, 12th principle says, Anim, I believe it's a complete faith in the coming of Mashiach. And even though he may delay, nevertheless, I anticipate every day that he will come. And the 13th place we'll write after it is about the revocation of the dead. And we're just talking about Mashiach being the Samach and that being Yeshua, according to the Shemoni Ezra prayer as well. And he's going to sprout forth from the ground. It's just talking about in the 13th blessing, what's juxtaposed to who the Mashiach, the Mashiach is, this idea of sprouting forth from the ground. And in the case that doesn't, like, if the dots aren't connecting uh, at that point, let's move down to what's in the Sador. This is page 181. In the complete uh, art school Sador, uh, Ashkenaz, and it mentions this prayer where you say right after, right after the Mashiach belief, right after the resurrection belief, it mentions this: "Blessed is the name, and exalted is his mention forever and for all eternity. For your Yeshua do I long, Hashem. I do long, Hashem, for your Yeshua. Hashem, for Yeshua, I do long." And so. Juxtaposed to the principles of faith, belief in Mashiach, resurrection of the dead. What's right after that? What's juxtaposed to those ideas? It is the name of Yeshua three times. <laughs> so, I mean, there are incredible things hidden with her Sador. There's incredible things that I, I believe have been codified, whether intentionally or, or just by divine providence. Um, from the works of our sages, where it's through the halacha, through any form of the oral tradition, that literally point to Yeshua being the Mashiach. And so, just a little support that, like like, like you said, we are not, we, yes, yes, there's this idea of mourning for the temple, and that needs to be, you, that needs to be done, but our, our tears open the open gates for prayers to be answered. And so it's not, it's not the concept of using our tears to be to drown in ourselves, to wallow into a bottomless pit. It's a concept of using our tears that our prayers may answer, that we may build the temple, that we may bring the gulab, may we bring the shiach, whose we've just quoted um, what, what blessing relates to Tishba'av in this month, is the blessing of uh, the samach, of the sprouting of the one of David. And it, qual- it uh, 
and it defines it essentially as as Yeshua. So Tishbaav and Tishbaav and Pesach always happen on the same day on the Hebrew calendar. So they are connected <laughs> as far as time goes. Yes. And the transition of Mashiach ben Yosu to Mashiach ben David happened during Pesach. And if if you do, I have do I have a second yes. as well. Yes. So just to clarify this idea, um, to to hit that there is a transition period from Mashiach ben Yosef from one son to Mashiach ben David, the next son, uh, and that's hidden actually in the Atbash of Tishbaav. Oh. What? Yes. So you take Av, Aleph to Tet, or Aleph to Tav, Vet, Bet to Shin, and then Tet to Noon. We mentioned that the last part earlier. And you have the word uh, Set or Seth from Av. And it's interesting because who is Seth? Who is Seth? He was the one who was in place of Mashiach ben Yosef and became Mashiach ben David. Because Seth was taking the place of Hevel, who was like a Mashiach ben Yosef that died. And uh, Seth Mm -hmm. continued on and perpetuated the lineage as the reigning king. Yes, he was like, he was another son, uh, which is this whole idea of, I'm going to go to it real quick. Um, Wow. Acher. Another. Sure there. Um, wow. Acher, different. Um, says, quoting on on this idea of Eve. Uh, this is Genesis Rabbah, uh, twenty three five. Rabbi Tachuma says in the name of Rabbi Shmuel, she looked at that seed and realized that he came from another place. And who is he? This is Eve talking about Seth after the death of Hevel. He is King Mashiach. And so this allusion to Seth being the Mashiach, this another seed, this different seed after the death of Hevel. Well, what's interesting about um, about Hevel is that that's like the idea of breath. Wow. And what does it say about Yeshua at the execution? Well, he, he essentially he breathed his last. He gave the, the spirit. Yes, he did. So there's an allusion to uh, to uh, Abel, Hevel, passing away, and the renewed seed, uh, a renewed seed uh, set, which is the Atbash of Av, coming forth. And if that, if that doesn't like further hammer the point home, uh, there's also the idea of of, of uh, Cain. The idea of Cain, I don't have time to get into this too much, but he's related to this idea of a sphere, according to Abraham Publishers. Right, and that's what they used to pierce the Mashiach, and how it came the blood and water to testify. And interestingly enough, the noon—if you look at it from the final noon—it actually looks like this elongated spear, yeah, if you will. And it, it, it's just incredible. So, like the whole abbas of the the ninth of Av, which is the birthday, uh, says the, the the Mashiach being born alludes to the spiritual birth from Mashiach and Yosef. Uh, that's Hevel who's dying to Mashiach ben uh, David. That, that would be like the Seth, the one who's who's coming forth. Ben Burton, Parsha Chaye Sarah, quotes 
Luke chapter 1, 68 through 69. Blessed be Hashem, the God of Yisrael, for he has visited and worked redemption for his people and raised up the Karen Yeshua for us in the house of his servant, David. Which sounds a lot like the prayer, the branch of David, your servant, speedily caused to sprout and raise up his horn through your salvation. For we hope for your salvation all day long. Blessed are you, Adonai, who makes the horn of salvation sprout. Yehuda Liebs also made a controversial claim that this prayer was influenced by early believers in Yeshua. This is from Who Makes the Horn of Yeshua to Flourish by Yehuda Leaves. The formula Matzmiat Kerin Le David was replaced by Matzmiat Kerin Yeshua. A theory has been suggested by various scholars noting that the earliest believers in Yeshua did not separate themselves from the community of Israel, but worshipped in the same synagogue and even served as prayer leaders. Can we say Sar Shalom? Can we say Lapid? <laughs> anyway, the final point Love I it. wanted to make is from Rabbi Trugman, as he likes to be called. Uh, that's how he introduces himself, is Trugman, which I like to call him Rabbi Tonka Truck. So he bags up and just throws down by saying this. There are 22 days during this time period. The same number as Hebrew letters. This span of time represents a complete cycle from Aleph to Tav. Side note, I want to encourage us to take each of the letters every day and, and bring some, some, get you some to it. Manifest out Mashiach. Okay, anyway. Significantly, there is another time period in the Jewish calendar, just so happened, right? That is also a 22-day cycle. And yes, we are talking Rosh Hashanah through Simchat Torah. The two days of Rosh Hashanah are referred to as one long day. This is why no one knows the time, the day, or the hour, because it's two days long, and you don't know when Mashiach is going to show up. Anyway, in truth, the entire holiday cycle beginning on Rosh Hashanah, continuing through the 10 days of Teshuva, 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 through Yom Kippur, and then culminating in Sukkot, Hashanah Rabbah, and Simchat Torah. Look at that three right there. Look at that three. Love it are in fact one continuous unfolding spiritual cycle and process. Rosh Hashanah to Simchat Torah is one continuous unfolding spiritual cycle and process. The Slonim Rebbe creates a beautiful image by comparing the 22 days of the three weeks to drawing the outline of a picture, which is then filled in with the array of color, with a full array of color during the 22-day period of Rosh Hashanah and Simchat Torah. This paradigm, or in this paradigm, the three weeks represent contraction and the bare outline, while Rosh Hashanah 
and the subsequent holidays symbolize creation and the color of creativity. It's important to note the Zohar talks about the Tower of Salvation being full of colors that are beyond colors that we can describe in this creation. So when you really talk about the Tower of Salvation for the King, we're talking about these colors that happen from the picture that was drawn out during the three weeks and filled in during the second three weeks, which is the head of the months in Tishrei as we celebrate Rosh Hashanah to Sinkat Torah. So, Habibi, if you have your last point, please share it. If not, we're indexing our time. Well, I, I think you left off a very good point, too, to close out. That was beautiful. Brukashim. Well, thank you for joining me. And to our listeners, I really want to encourage you Go into the quantum realm. We have a fast to start it and we have a fast to end it. Let's book in this Aleph Tav time with Teshuva, with crying out, Baruch Abba B'Shem Adonai, with learning the Aleph Bet, with learning and studying the temple, with over the top, baseless love and Lashon Kodesh. So, man... Don't know what else to say, but we need to be in the Geula, so let's make it happen. What do we know? What do we know? Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu Torah temet, vechaye olam natabetokeinu. Baruch atah Adonai, notein ha-Torah. Amen. Amen. Shalom.